This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. وَلَقَدْ زَيَّنَّا السَّمَاءَ الدُّنْيَا بِمَصَابِحَ وَجَعَلْنَاهَا رُجُومًا لِلشَّيَاطِينَ وَأَعْتَدْنَا لَهُمْ عَذَابَ السَّعِيرِ وَلِلَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا بِرَبِّهِمْ عَذَابُ جَهَنَّمَ وَبِئْسَ الْمَصِيرِ إِذَا أُلْقُوا فِيهَا سَمِعُوا لَهَا شَهِيقًا وَهِيَ تَفُورٌ رب الشرح صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي فالحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ثم ما بعد ونسجن أبي ونسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. So we're entering the longest section of this surah, which is uh, section two. Uh, this is from ayahs number five to roughly fifteen. And in this passage, we're going to see a couple of uh, interesting contrasts, uh, particularly an emphasis on the people who are. Uh, stubborn and refuse to listen to the message and deny the messenger والسلام, and they're going to be given some pretty graphic description of the punishment that awaits them in hellfire followed by a very brief account of uh, the you know the believers and some hope that's given to them actually there's more worldly hope that's given to them Allah quickly mentions that they're going to have forgiveness and reward and then emphasizes more that he's going to be taking care of them in their current struggles and then this passage comes to a conclusion. It begins, however, with وَلَقَدْ زَيَّنَّ السَّمَاءَ الدُّنْيَا بِمَصَابِيحِ We certainly uh, created the sky, the lowest sky, dunya means the closest or the lowest sky, with, we decorated it with masabih. And masabih is a plural of misbah. Uh, misbah is ismu ala for uh, a device that simulates the morning, and that actually means a lamp. Simply speaking, a lamp. So Allah describes here beautifully the, the, the skies as a lamp, or the stars as a bunch of lamps. Now, in this ayah, the beginning, وَلَقَدْ actually it suggests an oath. So, Ash-Shawkani rahimahullah says, وَالْمَجِيءُ بِالْقِسْمِ لِإِبْرَازِ كَمَالِ الْعِنَايَةِ uh, You know, the fact that لا is used, it's almost as though it's being said, and I swear, and emphasizing, we certainly did create the skies, you know, and we beautified them with lamps. We beautified the skies with lamps. Now, what's remarkable to me in this ayah, not just the word siraj or masabih, lamps, because they are, lamps are decorative, they are a symbol of beauty. Especially in a time that itself is scary, they, they bring soothness, they bring comfort, right? Because nighttime is a dark time, it's a scary time, and then the fear goes away, and beauty is restored inside a home because lamps are on, right? So it's a symbol of beauty, especially when other than beauty surrounds you. But the continuation is pretty interesting, first and foremost. In the previous ayat that we just finished covering, Allah Azza said, you're going to look at the sky, look at all creation, and you're going to get humbled. Right? And He mentioned seven skies. And now He says, forget looking at all seven skies. If you just even looked at the first sky, I mean, you don't need to be humbled after observing the continuity of all seven. If you looked at just the lowest of them, which has been decorated by stars, that should be enough. And then additionally, if you look at the continuation from another point of view, the kingdom of Allah, Tabarakalladhi biyadihi al-mulk, Allah will actually begin with His heavenly kingdom first before describing His kingdom on the earth. So He actually begins with the stars and the skies. And then He'll bring the, the matter down to the earth. Okay. Now, 
وَجَعَلْنَاهَا رُجُومًا لِشَيَاطِينَ And we made the skies, those seven skies, and the, actually the lowest sky rather, into رُجُوم. رُجُوم is the plural of the word رَجَم. رَجَم means stoning, or something that's cast towards someone else. أَيْ مَا يَرْمِي بِهِ الرَّامِي مِنْ حِجْرٍ أَوْ حَجَرٍ وَنَحْوِهِ تَسْمِيَةً لِلْمَفْعُولِ بِالْمَصْدَرِ رُجُوم is actually in the meaning of مَرْجُوم, that which is thrown, that which is cast. Like the word خَلْق is used in the meaning of مَخْلُوق. خَلْقُ اللَّهِ يَعْنِي مَخْلُوقُ اللَّهِ Right, so رَجَمْ مَرْجُوم وَجَعَلْنَاهَا رُجُومًا لِلشَّيَاطِينَ When we use it to throw or cast towards the devils. Now, what in the world does that mean? Allah describes this in some more detail elsewhere in the Qur'an. إِنَّا زَيَّنَّا السَّمَاءَ الدُّنْيَا بِزِينَةٍ الْكَوَاكِبِ We decorated the lowest sky with, beauty, with, with beautification, that is to say large stars. حِفْظًا مِنْ كُلِّ شَيْطَانٍ مَارِدٍ لَا يَسَّمَّعُونَ إِلَى الْمَلَاءِ الْأَعْلَى It's actually a guarding against every kind of devil. And it throws, you know, a cast towards them. وَيُقْذَفُونَ مِنْ كُلِّ جَانِبٍ They're shot at from every direction. So Allah is talking about what you might look at as a shooting star or a meteor. Or something like that, right? But what's really interesting here to me is that Allah Azza wa Jalla actually described beautification first and the purpose second. Like there are two functions of the sky that are mentioned in this ayah, and the first of them is that it was beautified with 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 lamps. So beauty has been given an emphasis, and then the functional, which is and by the way, these lamps are also used to secure and they're thrown to cast away devils. This actually is to illustrate that, that, that to Allah, beautification, decoration, style is of value. It means something. You know, we think about style versus substance sometimes, right? I don't care about style, I just want substance. If you look at Allah's speech and Allah's creative, the, the world Allah created, style is a very big part of what Allah does along with substance. These are both meaningful things. And they must always go hand in hand. You know, when people only concern themselves with style, beautification, that which looks good, feels good, sounds good, then it becomes empty. It doesn't have meaning. When people only concern themselves with substance, and something that is profound and deep and meaningful, but there's no style packaging it properly, then it doesn't go anywhere. Nobody benefits from it. So I mean, look at it even from a messaging point of view. You can have a scholar saying the most profound things, that's substance. But the way in which he says them puts people to sleep. There's a lack of what? Style. It's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to fulfill the purpose of enlightening people. You have to have both of these things. The same thing, you know, by the way, in the, the, the world view is being elaborated. It's Khalqur Rahman after all. It's the creation of the love, the exceedingly loving and the exceedingly merciful. So what Allah Azza wa Jalla is suggesting is that, you know, in this world, we shouldn't have like this extreme Christian-like worldview that this world is a curse and the only blessing is in the akhirah. Allah wants you to appreciate the beauty of the sky. You know, and He uses the word zayyanna. We beautified it. You know, He's the one who, and if you don't appreciate that beauty, you're not appreciating something Allah did. You're supposed to appreciate the beauty around you. You're supposed to appreciate the, the wonderful things Allah has created in this world. That's part of our faith. You know, this is not, it's not a curse. You know, it's a means to an end. This is actually this, this kind of the tibaq, right? This life leading into the next life. And I've said this often, I, I can't say it enough because we have to, we really have to have this worldview. Much of what Allah describes in, in Jannah is actually only relatable because we find glimpses of it in this world. Right? Allah will describe fruits and trees and rivers and, you know, gardens and 
a beautiful spouse. And none of those things are relatable and none of those things are a motivation for me to work for, for unless I have a taste of them in this world. You know, if I had no experience with any of those things, then I wouldn't even know what that means. Why should I strive for it? You know, I have no appetite for it. I have no desire for it. Why should I even work for it? So actually Allah made this world like a preview for the next. You know, that's, that's what He did. He made those two things seamless. And so that's one thing. The other thing is even in the message of the Qur'an, I hope you appreciate by now in what I'm trying to illustrate, there's an incredible amount of style in how Allah speaks. There's a lot of beauty in how Allah speaks. And even in the Qur'an itself, it is a perfect mesh of style and substance. Right? And in the religious discourse, and in, in when we talk about the deen of Allah, there are some people who are only concerned with style. And there are yet other people who are only concerned with substance. And these are both extremes. These are both extremes. You know, there are people who are only concerned with kind of, uh, for example, in, in public speaking. Just because you can pound the podium and, and everybody's like, and there's awesome style, but you didn't really say anything. You know, it, it, there was no substance. And on the other hand, there's a lot of substance, but there was no style to captivate. What does the Qur'an teach in the way that the Qur'an articulates itself? It's this blend between those two things. In what Allah created, and in what Allah revealed. And in what Allah revealed. There's this, this, this perfect meshing between those two things. So, وَلَقَدْ زَيِّنَ السَّمَاءَ الدُّنْيَا بِمَصَابِيحِ وَجَعَلْنَاهَا رُجُومًا لِلشَّيَاطِينَ By the way, even if there are rebellions going on against Allah in much more capable circles, beyond the earth, in the heavens, if there are shayateen trying to you know, defy Allah, Allah will take care of them in the skies. Put this in perspective, who do you think you are? He can, put, he can take care of intergalactic warfare. <laughs> you know, you're... And you're thinking that you're going to get away with stuff. You know? وَأَعْتَدْنَا لَهُمْ عَذَابَ السَّعِيرِ And we've prepared for them the punishment of a sa'ir. We'll, we'll dig into the word as-sa'ir, but before that, we'll dig into a'tadna. It's a bit of a soft problem for students because a'tada is actually from a'adda. A'adda. It's actually a'in dal dal. The ta is actually, uh, you know, dal al-ula ta'an. So it's actually the ta is replaced... The dal is replaced with a ta. So the root letters of this word are actually ain dal and dal. Okay, so wa'a'tadna lahum a'adda means to prepare. It's to prepare. And, but then what's the difference between a'adda and a'tada? Because they're both used in the Quran. Okay, a'adda lahum jahannam. Musa'ad masira. And then a'tadna. Both of them, right? It's actually when you, uh, when you have idgham, a'adadna, it's more commonly pronounced a'adadna. It's just easier to pronounce a'tadna as opposed to saying a'dadna. So that's where the word comes from. But what is that? What benefit do we get from it? From a'adad actually means to count. A'adda is to prepare the right amount for something. Okay, so as you know in Arabic we use haddara, haddara to prepare something uh, and to make something presentable. But a'adda is a little bit different. In that it actually, you accounted for exactly, for example, if you were preparing for a party and 10 guests are coming, so you prepared 10 table, 10 seats, and you know, 10 plates, and 10 you know, utensils, and 10 glasses. This is i'dad. Because you had exact count and you prepared exactly. So the use of this word for the punishment of hell is very powerful because Allah says He'll give exact punishment. He'll give exactly what's deserved. You know? So even though Allah Azza wa Jal has, He's, he's mutabarik, He gives more than expected. He'll give more than expected where? In Jannah. But He'll give exactly as, as accounted for in Jahannam. 
Like it's exactly, precisely the punishment that is deserved. أَعْتَدْنَا لَهُمْ عَذَابَ السَّعِيرِ Now, a little bit about the word as-sa'ir. يَدُلُّ عَلَىٰ إِشْتِعَالٍ وَاتِّقَادِهِ وَارْتِفَاعِهِ Actually refers to three things in the Arabic language. It refers to something setting ablaze, or to combust, to something to set on fire, and also for something to rise. Uh, those of you familiar with the Arabic language might know that the word si'ir in Arabic uh, means price. And it comes from the same origin as fire. Not just because the price burns you, uh, but because because the price also rises like a flame rises. That's why it's called si'ir, from sa'ir. Okay, so that's the, the correlation between those two things. Again, people like Ibn Faris who would connect two meanings together and say every root gives you two things. So something that rises and something that sets ablaze. Those two things are in as-sa'ir. By the way, sa'ur, and they use this as a figure of speech too. They say, سَعَرْنَاهُمْ nabal. We lit them up with arrows. <laughs> literally lit them up. Like, you know, we say light them up. But this could also mean that they literally have, um, like, you know, fire-pointed arrows. Like they, they, they take the tip of the arrow and set it on fire and then light them up. But also means we killed them with arrows. It's a figure of speech. Sa'ur is an, is an old Arabic practice. كَهِيَةِ التَّنُورِ يُحْفَرُ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَيُخْتَبَزِ that's called a sa'ur. Sa'ur is when you dig into the earth and you do a little, you know, in-ground barbecue thing, an in-ground flame. That's actually called a sa'ur. So it's a ditch in the earth. A sa'id is actually a flame that rises from below, which means it's dug, dug into the earth and then a fire is made, a pit of fire is made, and from it fire comes out. And it keeps, the flames keep on popping up. So this, this is the idea that adab al-sa'id means someone is thrown into the fire. Into this, someone is thrown into a sa'id and they set on fire. They themselves set on fire. And when they're set on fire, you know when things are thrown in the fire, one of two things happen. When you throw something in the fire, it starts melting and decaying or whatever, and the fire is unmoved. Or you throw something in the fire and, like the the flame rises, right? That would be sa'id. The kind of fire when you throw something in it, the flame rises. So the, 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 these jinn that are thrown in it, the flame rises. And this is actually an interesting indication uh, and a response to the question, well, jinns are made of fire. So what's the point of throwing them in the fire? Because they'd be like, feels like nothing. You know, but the fact that it's Sa'id actually suggests that they, as, as, much of, as much as they are made of fire, it'll set them ablaze. And it'll rise above them. So it captures that meaning altogether. وَالَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا بِرَبِّهِمْ عَذَابُ جَهَنَّمِ And along with them, those who disbelieved in their master is the punishment of Jahannam. Who are these people? Well, first group was the shayateen in the skies. The second, those who have disbelieved in their master are people in, on the earth. كَفَرُوا بِرَبِّهِمْ And now the next name of Allah, Rabb. Which is actually one of the central names of Allah in the Qur'an. It illustrates the most fundamental relationship between ourselves and Allah. Arab uh, and Abd, right? So Allah's mercy and His care and His love, His rahmah should lead you to recognize Him as your Rabb, as your ultimate authority, as your master. Now, and especially for those, and particularly for those who've disbelieved in their master, is the punishment of Jahannam. Let's, let's look at the word Jahannam and understand some things. Jahannam comes from Jahannam, which is argued to be a Farsi origin. Al-Qa'rul Ba'id, something, a very deep pit. Listen to the meanings carefully. A very deep pit. Um, it's also used in Hebrew language. They say gahnam, that's the Hebrew word, and they use it for a valley full of trash. Again, something deep, a valley full of trash. How does this correspond to the word sa'ir? Sa'ir is a pit. 
What does the word Jahannam do? It gives it depth. Right? It gives it depth. But also, it's a pit filled with what? Trash. Right? وَلِلَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا بِرَبِّهِمْ عَذَابٌ And what do you do if there's a pit of trash? What do you do in it? You throw things in it. إِذَا أُلْقُوا فِيهَا When they're thrown in it. So the word throwing is actually playing on the word Jahannam. That they're thrown like trash in it. Anyway, so, وَالَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا بِرَبِّهِمْ عَذَابُ جَهَنَّمْ وَبِئْسَ الْمَصِيرِ And what a terrible place to be that is. Masir is a dharf from the word sara, which means to be. Listen to this word, just to give you an idea of uh, how deep this pit is. وَفِي حَدِيثِ أَبِي هُرَيْرَةَ كُنَّا مَعَا رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ فَسَمِعْنَا وَجْبَةً We were with the Messenger of Allah and we all of a sudden heard a loud bang. فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ أَتَدْرُونَ مَا هَذَا The Messenger said, do you know what that is? And قُلْنَا اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ أَعْلَمُ We said Allah and His Messenger know better what that is. هَذَا حِجْرٌ أُرْسِلَ فِي جَهَنَّمَا مُنذُ سَبْعِينَ عَامًا الْآنِ انْتَهَا إِلَى قَعْرِهَا حَجَرٌ This is a stone thrown down into Jahannam 70 years ago. It just hit the bottom. That's what the Prophet describes. So that's the idea of Jahannam, a deep pit. And the fact that the pit is per- for the purpose of flaming up is in the word sa'ir. So those two words correspond with each other. Now, if you notice that in the previous ayah there was a matter of the sky and immediately it's brought down to the earth. The shayateen are going to get sa'ir. By the way, the people, who, their, their partners on the earth, الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا بِرَبِّهِمْ are going to get jahannam. And what a terrible place to be that is too. Right? This correspondence is very important. What, what Allah described, the order that He described in the heavens, is the same order that He wants on the earth. You know, this is actually a very powerful kind of argumentation in the Qur'an. Allah actually calls upon the order He established in the sky, and says that should be enough of a reason for you to be orderly on the earth. For example, you know, the sky, he, he elevated it. And he placed a balance in the sky. He put a scale in the sky. What's the next ayah? Immediately after saying the sky is balanced, he said, by the way, I did that so that you don't cheat in scales. Like this, the heavenly order is in scales, so you're not a, a conniving grocer. <laughs> you know, a grocery store owner. Or, a, a, you know, subhanAllah, it's an incredible correlation between what goes on in the heavens and what goes on in the earth. And by the way, inshallah, at the end I'll show you how this surah is constantly juggling between the skies and the earth, and the skies and the earth, and the skies and the earth, constantly. It's gonna play on between both of them, right? So, إِذَا أُلْقُوا فِيهَا And when they are thrown in it, أُلْقُوا فِيهَا غَايَةُ التَّحْقِيرِ وَالْإِذْلَالِ فَكَأَنَّهُمْ كُمُمْ مِنَ الْقُمَامَةِ أَوْ شَيْءٍ فَاسِدٍ يُلْقَى فِي النَّارِ You know? They're like, the fact that أُلْقُوا فِيهَا They were thrown in it, it's like they're being talked like trash is talked about. It's like something worthless is talked about. You know, you know what, what, is, what is trash? Trash is what was used to be once useful. And it no longer serves a purpose. That's what trash is. When a disbeliever is called trash, it's not because they were always useless. It's because they had a purpose and they didn't fulfill it. And you know, just like all things Allah created in nature, when you don't use them, they go bad. You know, you have a, you have a fresh fruit, you didn't eat it, what happens to it after a while? It's gonna go in the trash. Because you didn't eat it, it went bad. 
Allah gave these disbelievers a fitrah. He gave them the ability to think and ponder and reflect. He gave them minds, sound minds, the ability to hear and consider things. They didn't use those faculties, and those faculties deteriorated until they are human trash. And now they are shaykh fasid. By the way, their ultimate crime, I already told you the argument embedded, even though it's coming later. I said Allah keeps saying, take a look, take a look, take a look. Why? Because He's answering their constant criticism, we will only believe when we see. And now, ironically, sarcastic language in the Qur'an, when they are thrown in it, They refuse to listen in this world, they refuse to listen to anything beneficial in this world, well, you know what, the only thing you want to hear, then, that will be far more effective for you, They will hear it, in it, or they'll hear coming from it even, shahiq. Shahiq is the cry, the braying of a donkey, and the outcry of a donkey. They say, akhiru sawt al-himar. The last cry it makes before it passes out or dies. Ashahiqu fi sadr. A cry that stems from the chest. Like, uh, as opposed to, if you cry from your throat, that's not shahiq. But if you're crying from your chest and there's a growl in it, that's actually called a shahiq. And it's associated with the sound made by mules. Now that's important. Allah could have mentioned any sound, but He mentioned the sound made by mules. That is actually to suggest that the people that have already been thrown into hell are, they didn't act human, so they were treated like mules. And now they're making the sounds of mules. So it's actually this, this insult on top of, you know, insult to injury that's been added in the word shahiq. Now, the other word Allah uses is zafir wa shahiq. Right, and both of them are associated with meals, inhaling and exhaling. Actually, um, so ashahiqu fi sadr wa zafiru fi halaq wa shahiqu al himar akhiru sautihi wa zafir awaluhu wa shahiq radu nafs wa zafir ikhrajuhu radu nafas. Sorry, wa zafiru ikhrajuhu. It's to inhale, and then so shahiq is an inhaling cry, and then zafir is an exhaling cry. Zafir isn't mentioned in this surah; it's elsewhere. أَقْبَحُ الْأَصْوَاتِ شَهِقَ إِرْتَفَعَ رَدَّدَ الْبُكَاءِ Actually they say shahiqa when, when you keep on crying and panting and it keeps coming from your chest. Uh, and something that's very deeply, it's deep and a very high voice. That's why actually they say جَبَلٌ شَاهِق جَبَلٌ شَاهِق is طَوِيلٌ عَالٍ A high mountain is called a shahiq. Right? Because it's a very high, it's a very high sound. So they hear this loud, braying, violent noise as they are being thrown in it. The, you know, Ida suggests at the very moment they're thrown in it, you know, before they experience any of its other horrors. And by the way, because it's so deep, they're still falling. They're still falling. And as they are falling, they're hearing these horrible cries. Wahiya tafur. And then on top of that, وَهِيَا تَفُورْ حَالٌ مِنْ ضَمِيرٍ فِيهَا تَغْلِي وَتَرْتَفِعْ أَلْسِنَةُ لَهِبِهَا And it keeps on rising. اِشْتَدَّ حَيَاجُهُ وَغْلِيَانُهُ وَجَاوَزَ الْحَدِّ They say the word tafur is used for when something rises violently. Now سَعِير means the flames rise. And now we're saying that they rise violently. And some say it's the voices that, that rise violently. وَهِيَا تَفُورْ Subhanallah, they're descending and the flame is rising. I want you to imagine this image. Something is thrown in and the fire just goes, it just goes up, you know. It just, it gets violent. Uh, and this is actually the, the image given. Uh, a Thawri says, You have like, uh, 
you know, boiling water, and you put something in it, and there's a hiss that comes out of the water, that's the sound that's being made. كُلُّ شَيْءٍ جَاشٍ فَقَدْ فَارَ وَهُوَ ثَوْرُ الْقِدْرِ وَالْدُخَانِ وَالْغَضَبِ وَالْمَاءِ مِنَ الْعَيْنِ Anything that violently erupts is actually called a fawr. وَهِيَ تَفُورِ It violently erupts. فَكَأَنَّهُمْ هُمُ الْوَقُودِ الَّذِي تَشْتَعِلُ فِيهِ النَّارِ يَصُبُّ عَلَيْهَا فَإِذَا رَأَتْهُمْ مِنْ مَكَانٍ بَعِيدٍ So actually it is as though it, they themselves are the fuel. They are the thing that's going to be burned, that's going to give the flame life. And it's almost as though the fire itself, it's not just previous dwellers of hell that are crying, that you're hearing. It's almost as though Allah says that hell itself is crying. And it hears these, these, this, its next prey coming, and it cries out like it's gonna prey on this, you know, like an animal, roaring before it devours the, the, the thing that's gonna devour. That's the sound it's making. Then he says, and if that wasn't enough, takadu tamayyazu min al It almost rips open, it almost separates itself out of its anger. In other words, if you throw something hard enough into a fire, you might see embers of fire or b- smaller flames just kind of burst out like a pour. Like you know when you throw something in water, it gushes out? If you throw something violently in fire, the fire might also gush out. And that's the image being described in out of the intensity of this fire and the violent way in which the people fall. The fall is so hard, it might break apart. It might actually scatter. The fire might even scatter almost. But almost doesn't mean it does. Because it's contained. You know, and we're gonna see how it's contained in the, in the next words. This is the other meaning. This is the majazi meaning of this ayah. That you know, it, it falls in and it's like the fire is angry that this person came in. And it's, the fire is about to enrage and rip apart in anger. You know how you say somebody exploded? They were inflamed, engulfed in flames. That's actually literally the figure of speech. It's actually used for persons. It's used for a person almost exploded and became tore apart because they were so angry. And that's actually the rage of the fire described. إِثْبَاتٌ أَنَّ لِلنَّارِ حِسًّا وَإِدْرَاكًا وَإِرَادَةً Actually this ayah, some, those who look at it very literally say also, this is evidence in the Qur'an that Allah has given this fire life. It has feeling, it has recognition, it recognizes the enemy of Allah and shows its anger. You know? And then it's a, it has got an intention. It wants to go after them. وَالْقُرْآنَ أَثْبَتَ لِلنَّارَ أَنَّهَا تُبْصِرْ وَتَتَكَلَّمْ وَتَطْلُبُ الْمَزِيدِ Quran establishes that the fire, you know, it takes a look, it speaks. You know, it asks for more. Now, every single time a massive group is about to be thrown in. Now, notice the words fawjun. Fawjun is used for no small number of people. And Allah is already sarcastically saying, I don't care how big your numbers are. You think that's what's gonna save you? I'll take you and your army. I'll take you and your numbers. Ulkiya fiha fawjun. Every, and every time means it's not one fawj. It's fawjun ba'da fawj ba'da fawj. Every single time, one massive group of people is thrown in. Which suggests another massive group will come. And another will come. And another will come. And another will come. But every single time one comes in. 
and it's being tasked, uh, cast in. By the way, the word fawjun is nakira, it's unknown. It's called unknown. Some group is thrown in. And that's actually also here, tahwilan, uh, uh, it's actually to scare. What group is this? But it's also a kind of you know hijam, it's an attack. Because the Quraysh thought they were the known people. And the people who follow the Prophet ﷺ are the unknowns of society. And Allah says in Jahannam, you unknowns and your entire multitudes are going to be thrown in. So they, they weren't even given the respect of getting a lamut ta'rif. Not even that much. you know. And this is done in Qur'an elsewhere too. Like for example in Surah Yasin, my favorite example, لِتُنذِرَ قَوْمًا مَا أُنذِرَ أَبَاؤُهُمْ So you can warn some nation whose ancestors weren't warned. So epic. Like they were so high on themselves and Allah just calls them some nation. Some people. Who? Like, قَدْ عَرَفْنَا أَنَّهُمْ هَؤُلَاهُمُ الْقُرَيْشِ لِتُنذِرَ الْقَوْمِ الَّذِي مَا أُنذِرَ أَبَعُهُ No, no, no. لِتُنذِرَ قَوْمًا غَيْرْ مَعْرُوفٌ Who knows them? And look at the grand scheme of things. Do the Romans know who the Quraysh are? Do the Persians? Anybody with a real empire, do they know who the Quraysh are? Who cares about these guys? They're so high on themselves, they're insignificant in the, in the map of the world. And yet they're so high on themselves. And that's the nature of arrogance. You don't realize your own place in the world. Forget what before Allah. You don't even know your own place in the world, you know? So Kullama Ulkiya fiha fawjun. Sa'alahum khazanatuha. It's it's translated, it's guardians ask. Khazana is guardians ask. But actually, this is also su'alut. Uh, let me tell you something about the word khazana. It's the plural of khazin. Khazin is someone who overlooks a treasure or a vault. Uh, they say in Arabic, خَزَنَ إِذَا غَيَّبَهُ You did khazan of the of your money if you made it disappear or you hid it away. Like if you put it away for safekeeping and nobody can see where it is, that's actually uh, the idea of khazana. خَزِنْتُ سِرَّ كَتَمْتُهُ When you do khazana of a secret, that means you've hidden it away. Nobody will ever find it. In other words, this is a secret prison. And khazana suggests you these unknowns, first of all, they're unknown because of the word fawj. So nobody knows them. And even if somebody knew them, they wouldn't know where to go because the prison is secret. Because it's got khazana, khazana on it. You see, it's unknown altogether. So, كُلَّمَا أُلْقِيَ فِيهَا فَوْجٌ سَأَلَهُمْ خَزَنَتُهَا Its guardians ask, the, the gatekeepers of hell ask, أَلَمْ يَأْتِكُمْ نَذِيرٌ Did no warner come to you? This is also سُؤَلُ تَوْبِيخ No warner came to you? Nobody came to warn you? And they're being thrown in, like they're being yelled at and thrown in. You know, this is or prison orientation before they're chucked in. And the words are so powerful. Yatikum, yatikum actually means for it's the word for coming, and it has a few other implications. It means to someone to approach you, someone to actually literally attack you. Yatukum min fawrihim hada. Attack can mean the coming of attacking you. Nobody hit you hard with this. You know, but ata in, if you look at the literal meaning of ata, to come actually means for someone to come even casually. Nobody even once just nicely came to you, even in some conversation. Forget like intensely making lots of effort to come to you. You never even had somebody warn you ever in the least bit, and that's inside the word ata. Then the word nadir, and I'd like you to understand the difference al fark between nadir wal mundir. Nadir wal Mundir. In the English translation of the Quran, Nadir and Mundir both get translated as warner. Okay, but there is a, a beautiful and subtle difference between them. Mundir is an ism fa'il. It's a, it's the it's the uh, active participle. What's called in English grammar or morphology, the active participle. And Nadir is a sifa. It's an adjective. 
Okay. Now the thing is, when you say munzir, I am not a munzir if unless I'm warning you right now. If I was warning you right now, you would call me a munzir. But if I was sleeping, you wouldn't call me a munzir. A nadir is actually someone warning you whether they're actually literally physically warning you or not. Their presence itself is a warning to you. That's actually a nadir, constant source of warning. There's a constancy in nadir that is not there in mundir. The fact that the messenger is present, by the way, just put this in perspective, you know sometimes students, you know, especially students in like Muslim schools, their teachers are extra scary. So the teacher doesn't have to warn them to behave if they see the principal or the teacher walk by. The existence of him is a constant source of warning. You understand? The Prophet ﷺ here, or there were people, if you just looked at them, you should have been like, I'm not behaving how I should. And this idea of nadir is very powerful. This suggests that you don't have to be a speaker or a da'i or something like that to be a nadir. There are people in your family, when you're around them, it makes you realize you're not a very good person. Even if they don't say anything. You know, the people start, you know, there are people who, when they see me, they start explaining themselves. I didn't ask them to. But there's a guilt embedded inside. By the way, I, I, I'm thinking about praying nowadays. I, start, I was like, I didn't ask, bro. I know, but you have a beard and stuff, so I figured. So my beard becomes a nadir. A constant source of warning. There, there might be a woman, you know, like she's the only woman in college that wears a hijab or something, and other Muslim girls come to her and start confessing their sins. I'm so bad, I do this, I do that. Why are you telling me? Because even if you didn't lecture somebody or warn them or threaten them, the fact that you see someone obeying Allah makes you look in the mirror and say, man, I'm not doing that. And it makes you feel bad. And that person, their presence becomes a nadir. They're being told, okay, fine, nobody came and gave you speeches and talks and warned you. There weren't anybody around who made you say, maybe I'm not doing the right thing. You didn't even have that. Did you even have that much? Alam yatikum nadir. Qalu, they responded, Bala, of course, why not? No, no, they did, they did. Now, I want you to understand, this is not a casual conversation. They're being chucked into hell. So, you have to keep the, the image, the scene in mind. They're about to be thrown in hell, and the guardians of hell who are not nice, غِلَاظٌ shidad, They don't speak nicely. Alam yatikum nadir. That's not how they're going to talk. Alam yatikum nadir. A criminal, by his nature, likes to deflect the crime from himself. A criminal likes to say, I didn't do it, no, 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 it, it, it wasn't me. No, no, nobody came. But judgment is already passed. Fire's already there. They're, they're already starting to hear what? The loud hissing. At this point, they know excuses won't work. So maybe admission will. I did it, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I did it. Yes, yes, they did come. I was so messed up, I was so wrong. So this, this i'tiraf is gonna just come rolling out of them. It's just gonna come, just, they're just gonna pour out now. You know? قَالُوا بَلَى Of course! قَدْ جَاءَنَا نَذِيرٌ A warner did come. Notice, لَمْ يَقُولُوا أَتَانَا نَذِيرٌ the question was, Alam yatikum nadir. Well, jawab huwa, atana nadir. 
The answer should be atana. Warner came, but no. Instead, Allah uses the word jaa nadirun. Jaa is is kalima tadullu ala mubalaga wal mashaka, meaning messengers came making great efforts. It wasn't just some easy casually somebody came by. No, sources of constant warning came, and they put great toll and effort and labor in coming and warning us. They didn't. They they spared no effort in coming to us. Fakadzabna. And we considered, now here's, it's difficult to translate because we called, we considered blank a lie. Or we called blank a lie. There's a, there's a blank left here. كَذَّبْنَا هُمْ كَذَّبْنَا بِآيَاتِ اللَّهِ كَذَّبْنَا بِالْمُعْجِزَاتِ كَذَّبْنَا بِالْإِنذَارِ كَذَّبْنَا بِهِ كَذَّبْنَا بِاللَّهِ Like there's multiple مَفَاعِيلِ here. There are multiple objects here. None of them are mentioned. We called, it's kind of strange English, we called a lie. What did you call a lie? All of it. It's like there's so many things we considered a lie, so many things we dismissed as a lie, that the list is too long, we can't even begin to say. I can tell you though, our constant position was, no matter what you say, we're going to call it a lie. It's almost like no matter what you say is already in there. Because there's no maf'ul bihi there. So, kathabna, we... We didn't give the messenger a chance to speak. We never considered the revelation. We never thought about it. We thought all of it was a lie and we were not going to go back and rethink it. Because rethinking for some people is against their pride. Right? When you've said something, I think you're wrong. Okay, now I've said you're wrong. It's going to hurt my pride a lot to come back and say, actually, I was wrong. I think you're right. It takes a lot to do that. And a nation that is full of glorifying pride it actually takes somebody who admits they're wrong and humiliates them. Oh, what happened? Made a mistake? You know like in politics, if somebody says, I used to believe in this policy, now I believe in that policy, they'll say he's a flip-flopper or he's this or that. You know what I'm saying? Because admitting you're wrong is like an admission of your flaw. And you can't afford that. And by the way, the, com- the conversation here is happening with big, big, big guns. These are elites of Quraysh. For, these are public figures. For a public figure to admit they're wrong is not easy. So just don't consider anything. Don't give it. Don't give it a second thought. By the way, that is already an attempt to crush this attitude. Has already been mentioned in the first passage. Farji al-basar, Look at it again. Look at it again. Maybe you'll see something differently now. But these people don't want. Didn't want to do that. Fakadabna. We dismissed it all. You know. And we held on to our stance. We said, مَا نَزَلَ اللَّهُ مِنْ شَيْءٍ No, Allah did not send down anything at all. I'm saying no twice deliberately in translation. When I say, مَا نَزَلَ اللَّهُ مِنْ شَيْءٍ I'd like to translate this as, No, Allah didn't send anything down. الْمَعُولِ الرَّفْضِ It's for refutation. If you say, لَمْ يُنَزِّلِ اللَّهُ مِنْ شَيْءٍ It's different. It's جَوَابُ استفهام. هَلْ نَزَلَ اللَّهُ لَمْ يُنَزِّلِ لَوْ قَالَ أَحَدْ نَزَلَ اللَّهُ this is like when somebody claims Allah sent and you correct them or you refute them and say, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. What are you talking about? That was our attitude. Nah, get out of here. So they were in, they weren't asking a question and they weren't holding on to a belief. They were interested in refuting everything the Prophet was saying. By the way, Nadir, interestingly, uh, is a warner, but not a prophet. So it could be a prophet, but it could be anybody else. Anybody else could be a source of warning. So it's not like we're exempt or people are exempt today from this 
declaration that angels might be asking them, didn't a warner come? Well, I didn't live in a time of a prophet. Well, actually, there are other people that are constant sources of warning. So he didn't say, you know, alam ya'tikum rasul. Not here. It's alam ya'tikum nadir. It's more open-ended. And min is actually done for ta'ajjub. Not a single thing has he ever sent down. What are you talking about? There's no such thing as revelation. You people. In antum illa fi kabir. This has been, there's two ta'wils of it. Well, I'll give you one of them. You all, you people are in nothing but huge amounts of confusion. You people are massively confused. That's all you people are. Notice the word you people. In other words, the warner, Whoever he was, is not just one, there's a bunch of them. So they're already admitting that this is what we used to say, not just to that warner, but his followers, or other people like him. So there were multiple opportunities. Allah doesn't just give one people one, فِيهِ إِشَارَةِ لَأَنَّ اللَّهَ عَزَّ وَجَلْ لَا يُعْطِي إِنسَانًا نَذِيرًا وَاحِدًا فِي حَيَاتِهِ Allah doesn't just give you one warner in your life. He gives you multiple people that are a source of warning. You have to ignore all of them to be in this mess. Because you'll, you know, you'll have to be saying on Judgment Day, not in anta illa fi dhalalin kabir, but in antum. All of you were clearly confused. Another way that this is uh, um, interpreted, an yakuna min kalam al-khazanati lil-kuffar. Another way this same ayah is interpreted is, they said a warner came, we said nothing was ever revealed, we're so sorry. And the people pushing them in hell are saying, you guys were so massively confused. And they're pushing them in. So it's the angels of hell saying it to these prisoners as they're being thrown in, in antum illa fi dhalalin kabir. وَقَالُوا And they'd, they'd say, and those people said, meaning the, the, the people being thrown in hell, لَوْ كُنَّا نَسْمَعُ أَوْ Oh, if only, had we been the people that used to listen, had we been listening, had we been listening, and had we been thinking, this had, law is used when something is too late. It's kalimat al-hasra. It's an adat, it's a device that's used to suggest the regret, like it's too late, I can't change it now. If only we used to listen. Notice, Allah said, take a look, take a look, because they were only interested in seeing, but they didn't want to listen. And they, if they didn't listen, they'd never take a second look. See the relationship between those two things? Allah will ask you to listen to Him. And when you listen to Him, He'll ask you to look. That's how the process goes. So, But they, they wouldn't listen. So they say, لَوْ كُنَّا نَسْمَعْ أَوْ نَعْقِلْ Had we been the ones to listen and to think about it, this is a huge warning and a huge, and this ayah is a huge warning and a huge blessing for people. Why is it a huge blessing? Because you have, we have people in our family who may be, and friends, who may be very, very, very far from the deen. That doesn't mean we're not, we're not saying we're saints either. But they're not even, they're not considerate even of the basic expectations from Allah, right? That's, that's the case. And it's very hard for them to listen. It's very hard for them to listen. And our job is to figure out some way of getting them to listen. And if not from us, then from someone else. If not this, then from that. If it's not from a two-hour lecture, maybe from a two-minute video, maybe a, a text message, a tweet, something. We got to get them to listen somehow. Because if they listen, maybe something goes through, they might actually think. If you don't open the opportunity for listening, the opportunity for thought will remain closed. لَوْ كُنَّا نَسْمَعُ أَوْ نَعْقِلُ Okay? So the, the, and it's actually the door to thinking is closed when the door to listening is closed. So we just have to provide opportunities for people to listen. You know? 
لو كنا نسمع أو ناقل أن المقصود سماع التدبر والتفكر فكانوا كمن لا يسمع The intent here is to listen meaning listen in a way that causes you to reflect and to think about something but they were as good as not even having heard anything أن المقصود سماع القبول والإجابة also means that to listen actually means to agree You know like I'm, when I'm saying when I say to you hey listen to me don't go there I'm kind of saying obey me and don't go there do what I'm telling you So if we only did what we were told. Nasma'u also means if we only did what we were... Like you know how you say to your parents, I wish I listened to you? You did listen to them, but you didn't obey them. Right? And the parents don't say you never obey me, they say you never what? You never listen to me. It's the same in the Arabic language. It's sama'u lijaba. And al-maqsood annahum rafadu sama'a kama Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The other meaning is that they actually refuse to listen altogether, not even the words. I don't want to hear it. There's one thing to hear it and say, I'm not going to listen to you, meaning I'm not going to obey you. There's another layer before that, I don't even want to hear a word. That's implied here too. We didn't, we weren't interested in hearing a word. Notice also, نَسْمَعُ أَوْ نَعْقِلُ comes without مَفْعُول. يعني نَسْمَعُ كَلَامَهُمْ نَسْمَعُ لَهُمْ نَسْمَعُ لِلنَّذِيرِ نَعْقِلُ مَا قِيلُ Right? If we only thought about, if we were only listening, thinking about what was said to us, If you we were thinking about what we were told, there's no objects, there's just the verbs without objects. We heard and we thought. Thought about what? Understood what? You know, heard what? The idea is we weren't interested in hearing a thing. And we didn't want to think about a thing. There were some some things that when you hear, and they bring you closer to Allah, it, a, a shaitan trigger goes off in people's head. If they've been listening to waswasa of shaitan for a long time, you know what happens? That waswasa becomes very active. So as soon as they hear something that might bring them closer to Allah, the alarm goes off, I don't want to talk about this. I don't think I want to talk about this. I think we should change the subject. There will be people who even if they don't know what Qur'an is saying, it's just the Arabic Qur'an being recited. Can we change it please? Can we turn it off? It's bothering me. Can we please turn it off? It's, just put something else on. Or just don't put anything on. It'll bother them. That's, you know, Allah mentioned first, رُجُومًا لِلشَّيَاطِينَ Then He mentioned, لِلَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا بِرَبِّهِمْ And there's a correspondence there too. If they're being shot at in the sky, where are they going to end up? On the earth, with their partners, لَلَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا Then they're going to get active over here. And their activity over here is keeping people from listening and thinking. That's their, their shaitani, ultimate shaitani activity. And how do they do that? They'll give you things other than what you should be listening to. They'll fill your ears with other stuff. They'll fill your eyes with other stuff. And they'll fill your ears and eyes only with things that keep you from what? Thinking. The aql won't happen. They'll, give you, they'll keep you engrossed in mindless, mindless things. And you'll just be engrossed. This incredible faculty that we've been given, this mind that we've been given, will never be put to use if the ears and the eyes aren't being put to use properly. You know? There's no farji'il basara hal tara min futur. You're gonna go see a show. You're gonna see this, you know, entertainment. And you're gonna be engrossed in it. That's all you ever do. I'm not against entertainment at all cost. Entertainment is part of life. But for some people, that is their life. You know? All the, they're, they're addicted and they actually it hurts them to think I don't like I don't like when I'm listening to not listening to music because then I start thinking and it bothers me 
I get really depressed when I'm not listening to music. Why do you get depressed? Because I start thinking about what's going to happen in my life. You're supposed to think about what's going to happen in your life. But I don't want to think about that. So I just want to drown it out, you know. Subhanallah. And then shaitan says, no, no, that's not enough. You're hearing, I've already polluted. You're seeing, I've already polluted. Let's just go for your mind altogether. Why don't you do drugs? Why don't you do alcohol? Let's just take out your mind so even if you heard and saw, it wouldn't work anyway. <laughs> it's awesome. What a plan. You know? First he cuts off the means, and then he goes for the kill. And people go, they go for it. And then by that time, زَيِّنَ لَهُمُ الشَّيْطَانَ عَمَالَهُمْ Shaitan has beautified their deeds to them. What are we if not thinking, pondering, reflecting creatures? So they say, if we only listened and we thought, مَا كُنَّا فِي أَصْحَابِ السَّعِيرِ We would not have been from the people of As-Sa'ir. Sa'ir has already been mentioned. That pit that burns. And this, in saying this, they've actually been, they've been connected with shayateen. Because Sa'ir was made for shayateen. And now they are fi ashab sair We would not be in the company of the people of As-Sa'ir. The companions of As-Sa'ir. Who are the companions of As-Sa'ir already established in the surah? The shayateen. So now they're together. Allah bunched them together now by the end of this passage. فَاعْتَرَفُوا بِذَنْبِهِمْ By the way, notice, لَوْ كُنَّا نَسْمَعُوا أَوْ نَعْقِلُوا لَمَا كُنَّا فِي أَصْحَابِ السَّعِيرِ جَوَابُوا لَوْ يَأْتِ بِاللَّامِ لَمَا كُنَّا You know, لَوْ شِئْنَا لَقُلَّا مِثْلَ هَذَا The alarm comes with it. So the, the, in English you say, had I done this, I would have done that. And the would part in Arabic comes with the lam. So the expectation here is, لَمَا كُنَّا فِي أَصْحَابِ السَّعِيرِ Actually, now they're at a point where they're saying, we were so far gone, even if we had heard, and we had thought about it, we probably still wouldn't have acted on it. They're not as sure that that would have been enough. If they were completely sure that that would have been enough for them, they would have added another layer of emphasis to their statement and said, لَمَا كُنَّا They removed it and said, um, actually, we had deeper problems too. In other words, we're learning, listening and thinking are steps. They're not the final. Because you have to listen, you have to think, and then you have to act. Right? There's a third step. There are people who listen, and think, and understand very well, and still don't act. If this was the final, and this would be the one to save you for sure, and that's it, that's all that's needed, then the emphasis would have been justified. لَمَا كُنَّا فِي أَصْحَابِ السَّعِيرِ But there's something to be left, something to be desired here. And so, we would not have been from the people of As-Sayyid. So they acknowledge, they recognize. The word i'tarafa is to acknowledge, to admit, right? To accept. It comes from the word urf, which is to recognize. I'tiraf is lazim in a sense that it says to recognize in oneself. They recognize in oneself and to admit before oneself, about oneself. They recognize their own thumb. Dhamb in the Arabic language comes from the word dhanab. It's one of the many words in Arabic for a sin. Okay, so sayyi'a, janah, jarab. There's lots of words in Arabic for sin. And dhanab means the tail of an animal. And dhanab in Arabic literature is used for that which is embarrassing. A source of embarrassment. So they'll admit to what they find embarrassing. This is actually when you do something you know you could have done better. You know, there's mistakes you make that are beyond your capability. You fail a test, and you took calculus, you know, 201, 
and you don't even know basic algebra, and you ended up in a in the wrong class and you failed it, that's not a them because it's far beyond the expectations you have, right? But you're you're a calculus student and you failed a third grade math test. Now that's a it's embarrassing. Your failure is embarrassing now. Okay, so this is the idea of a thumb. <coughs> and the use of it here is that is suggesting people should have expected more from themselves. And it's an embarrassment to themselves before it is to anybody else. فَاعْتَرَفُوا بِذَنْبِهِمْ Now, الْفَاءَ الْأُولَى فَصِيحَةٌ What that means is, this fa in the beginning is actually an elaborator in doing so, in saying that if we only thought, and if, if we only listened, and we only thought, we wouldn't have ended up among the company of the people that are being bl- set ablaze. In, in saying so, they have admitted their sin. So, فَاعْتَرَفُوا بِذَنْبِهِمْ is like, thus they have admitted their sin. Thus they've admitted their sin. Notice the word dhamb is also singular. It's not فَاعْتَرَفُوا بِذُنُوبِهِمْ They admitted their sins. It's actually, they just admitted their sin. It's aluj, it's their stubbornness. It's one thing, just a refusal to listen. Just that not even taking that, that was the, it was the gateway crime that led to all the other crimes. So they say, they admit to that. They admit where they were, uh, you know, what they were holding inside of them. And by the way, even if you admit now, I mean, we should admit our sins now to Allah. What's the point of admitting it as you being pushed in hell? There's no benefit. حَتَّى إِذَا أَدْرَكَهُ الْغَرَقَ قَالَ آمَنْتُ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا الَّذِي آمَنَتْ بِهِ بَنُوا إِسْرَائِيلِ وَأَنَا مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ كَلَامْ فِرْعَونَ فِرْعَونَ said, as soon as the drowning, the, the drowning waters became imminent, and he knew it's done, he said, I believe in that there's no one to worship except the one that the Israelites worship. He couldn't even say Allah. Even then, the guy is just, wow. And I'm Muslim. I'm among the Muslims. فَقِيلَ لَهُ It was said, الآن, Oh, now? Horn? وَقَدْ عَصَيْتَ قَبْلْ وَكُنْتَ مِنَ الْمُفْسِدِينَ You were already, you were doing sins way before. Come on. Just now. Just now you were doing sins. يَوْمَ يَأْتِي بَعْضُ آيَاتِ رَبِّكَ لَا يَنْفَعُ نَفْسًا إِمَانُهَا لَمْ تَكُنْ آمَنَتْ مِنْ قَبْلْ when some of them, the signs of Allah manifest themselves, like hell, manifests itself, then any person coming to the faith, what's the point of it now, that if they didn't believe already, if they didn't earn any good from their faith, from before. And by the way, that is an allusion to the fact that faith isn't enough, you have to earn beyond your faith. You know? So, suhq, I'll translate that in a sec. Suhbullah is for the people of Sa'ir. Now who are the people of Sa'ir? It's the shayateen and the disbelievers. Allahumma la taj'alna minhum. As-suhqu inhaaku shay. Suhq actually means of something to fall apart, to deteriorate. The earth was blistered by the wind. For you to get blistered or to be attacked. Makanun sahiq means a far away, uncharted kind of place. Suhqan lahu. أَوْ أَسْحَقَهُ اللَّهُ أَبْعَدَهُ يعني بُعْدًا لَهُ Stay far away from me. So the, the two meanings that come inside suhuq are actually distance. Uh, that's why a suhuq is also used for a nakhla. A tall palm tree is also called a suhuq. Uh, النَّخْلَةُ الطَّوِيلَةُ لِبُعْدِ أَعْلَاهَا عَنِ الْأَرْضِ 
because it's very the top of it is very far from the earth. That's why it's called a suhuk. So something that that you want to keep away. This is actually a repetition of something that's already been alluded to in the word khasi'an. Khasi'an was get away from me, and suhukan is actually furthering that idea. May they be cast off, put far away. That's one meaning of the word suhuk. The other meaning is actually a curse and pain. A painful curse, you could even say. Okay. وَالْفَاءُثَانِيَةُ لِلْتَسَبُبْ أَيْفَهُمْ جَدِيرُونَ بِالدُّعَاءِ عَلَيْهِمْ بِالْإِبْعَادِ By the way, سُحْقًا لِأَصْحَابِ السَّعِيرِ is a form of dua. It's kalam in sha'i. Kalam in sha'i means, may they be cursed, may they be cast off. So, away with the people of the flame. Just get them out of here, kind of thing. If you look at this passage up until now, this is by the way, it concludes the part about the disbelievers and their, their lack of faith and where they're going to end up. You'll notice two things you'll notice they're full of regret. And you'll notice after they're full of regret, they're being cast off far away. You notice that, right? Uh, and those two terms have come in the first passage in, in the reverse order. Those two terms were, يَنْقَلِبْ إِلَيْكَ الْبَصَرُ خَاسِئًا وَهُوَ حَسِيرٌ And now, we started with hasra, and we ended with you know khasa, because this is suhqan. And that concludes their, the discussion about them. And Allah flips the equation and says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَخْشَوْنَ رَبَّهُمْ بِالْغَيْبِ No doubt about it. Those who are fearful of their master in the unseen. The, the, the uh, بِالْغَيْبِ can be متعلق بِرَبَّهُمْ and could be متعلق بِالْفِعْلِ What that means in simple language is, those who feared their master who they couldn't even see. The master who was in the unseen. Meaning Allah in the unseen. Why is that important to mention? It's important to mention because these people only believe if they see. And Jahannam was finally seen. And then they were ready to believe. But Allah says there are people who will, believe, who will be afraid, not of Jahannam. Who are they afraid of? Their Rabb. And the, that's why the word khashiyah is important here. They understood Allah is a king. They didn't want to be given demonstrations of how, how powerful He is. They were afraid of Him as it was without having seen him. The other meaning of bil ghayb, however, interestingly, is yakhshawna bil ghayb, rabbahum. Yakhshawna bil ghaybi rabbahum. They were fearful of their master when nobody could see them. They were fearful of Allah when nobody could see them. And this is, in, in our sense, it's the idea of not being hypocrites, right? Not being righteous in the public eye and being, being completely oblivious of Allah in private. But in the original context of the surah, don't forget, there are people in Mecca who have believed and are scared to say it. There are people in Mecca who, who do fear Allah, but they are afraid of what the kuffar might do to them. And these people remained as such almost until the end of the seerah on a lot of them. لَوْلَا رِجَالُ مُؤْمِنُونَ وَنِسَاءُ مُؤْمِنَاتِ لَمْ تَعْلَمُوهُمْ لَمْ تَعْلَمُوهُمْ in Makkah, at Hudaybiyah, even then Allah is saying, there are men and women that completely, absolutely believe that you have never known. You've never known. يَعْنِي يَخْشَوْنَ رَبَّهُمْ بِالْغَيْبِ You know? So عَنِ النَّاسِ The people don't know them. People have no idea who they are. And this is actually a very beautiful statement from Allah to those people in addition. So there's multiple things being said here. One, we believe in a God that's unseen. Two, look, if you're among the people that have come to faith, you've realized this, you've internalized this, but you haven't verbalized it. That's okay. You're still okay. And they're worried, does our faith even count? We didn't come out and say it. 
we didn't come out in public. You know? We didn't accept Islam in front of like 30 people. And we didn't join the band that's being tortured right now. We just, we're praying quietly, secretly. We haven't even told the Prophet. Too scared. Even they have been acknowledged and Allah says, لَهُمْ مَغْفِرَةٌ They'll have forgiveness. They'll have forgiveness. It's such a beautiful, beautiful ayah. And that'll help you understand, understand inshallah what's coming in the next ayat as well. وَأَجْرٌ كَبِيرٌ And they'll have massive reward. The word kabir is no accident. It's occurring for the second time. إِنَّ أَنْتُمْ إِلَّا فِي ضَلَالٍ Kabir. Kabir. You're in huge confusion. And now you'll have huge compensation is actually contrasting the Qur'an's unique style of contrasting. Please pay attention to this part. Now your break is coming soon. This is really interesting. In the Qur'an, Allah does not compare opposites all the time. You would say, if I give you a mathematical equation, think about this, A should be compared with B. And C should be compared with D. Okay? So A, the opposite of A would be B, and the opposite of C should be D. What Allah will do in the Qur'an is He'll compare A with D. He'll compare A, instead of comparing it with B, He'll compare it with D. And in doing so, what He's saying is, He's comparing both A and C on one side, and B and D on the other side. So he actually makes two comparisons at one time. By cross-comparison. If he just put A like people of Jannah, people of Nar, that's A, A, A and B. Right? But if he says, people of Jannah, people who don't pray. If he did that, that's like an A and D kind of comparison. Because you should expect people who pray versus people who don't pray. But he, he'll do a cross-comparison. In doing so, what has he done? People of Jannah are people who pray. People of Jahannam are people who don't pray. So you, he gives you additional conclusions in doing so. Now look at the contrast. There's Dalalun Kabir and there's Ajrun Kabir. That's the comparison that's been made. But it's not a direct comparison. It's a cross comparison, isn't it? On the one hand, big confusion. Compared with what? Big reward. People that remained and would like to remain in massive... Con- By the way, why would someone be massively confused? The only way to remove your confusion is to listen to someone explain it. Think about it, and your confusion is gone. But unfortunately, لَوْ كُنَّا نَسْمَعُ أَوْ نَعْقِلُ The only way to get rid of your confusion, you didn't want it to exercise. Now, people who refuse to think, to listen and think, are going to end up in big confusion. People of big confusion are as good as hellbound. On the contrast, people who listen and think... And they, they are as good as having earned Allah's forgiveness. They're actually not just forgiveness, huge reward. Listening and thinking gives you huge reward. By the way, corresponding to this idea, if you think about what the Prophet ﷺ says about the Qur'an, reciting the Qur'an, listening to the Qur'an, reflecting on the Qur'an, the rewards of reflecting, the rewards of thinking, better than the one who does qiyam. And the rewards of reciting and hearing the word of Allah for every letter, how much? 10. Ajrun Kabir. Like the sama'ah of this word is Ajrun Kabir, you know? So that's the, this is the, the, the beautiful correlation that's been made. And by the way, the other interesting contrast is these are people that are afraid of their master in hiding. They're in hiding. And the other are defiant of their master in public. You know? <laughs> and Allah acknowledges both. And He flips the equation on Judgment Day. لَهُمْ مَغْفِرَةٌ وَأَجْرٌ كَبِيرٌ By the way, notice the contrast here. On the one hand, there's hasir. Hasir, I told you, means exposed. Unarmed. 
Maghfira actually means covering. And from it comes the word mighfar, which is literally a helmet to, to shield you from, from attack. Al-ghayb on the one hand, al-ghayb, and by the way, people of hellfire are gonna end up in a place that's ghayb. The khazana. Remember the, the, the secret guardian, the, the keepers? And then the contrast I gave you is ajrun kabir and dalal kabir. So, فَالَّذِينَ يَخْشَوْنَ رَبَّهُمْ بِالْغَيْبِ هُمُ الَّذِينَ يَعْرِفُونَ حَقَّ اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِمْ وَمُرَاقَبَتَهُ إِيَاهُمْ فِي السِّرِّ وَالْعَلَنِ This is the idea that they actually, they recognize Allah's rights over them when they can be seen and when they can't be seen. Um, interesting comment about this that I, I was thinking about for a couple of days actually. In this surah, Allah Azza wa Jal seems to indicate that listening and thinking would have saved people. Which is an intellectual process if you think about it. Listening to something and thinking about it is, an, is uh, up here. But by contrast, يَخْشَوْنَ رَبَّهُمْ is not, a, is not a process up here. It's a process down here. Right? So it's actually, the, con, the, the, the equation is completed. That you know, you can't just have the intellectual. The intellectual should reach you, lead you to some emotional conclusions. And this is really powerful guys. Listen to this. For a lot of people, their emotions dictate their thoughts. I'll say that again. For a lot of people, their emotions dictate their thoughts. Their emotions are, I don't want to change, I, I'm comfortable, I like the way things are, and now I don't want to think about something because it's going to make me uncomfortable. Their emotions are dictating their thoughts. In this surah, it seems that the thought came first, and the thought now dictated their fear, their emotions. If your thoughts are clear, then your emotions will be set in the right direction. Emotions are like this powerful weapon, you can point it in any direction. Clear thought gives your emotions the proper direction. Who should you fear? Who should you love? These are emotions, aren't they? Who should you hate? What should you aspire to? What should you not aspire to? What should you find beautiful? What should you find disgusting? These are emotions. But our emotions will not be guided until our thoughts are. So the sama' and aql is given this precedence, and as a result, yakshawna rabbahum. As a result, they fear their master. The emotional maturity came, right? Subhanallah. And in it, perhaps there's an, there's an indication for us that our spiritual growth should not only assume to be a spiritual activity. We need to grow ourselves in our thought, in our, in our pondering, in our reflection, and it will actually enhance us emotionally with Allah too. Our khashiyah of Allah will increase when we have tadabbur. This is why, this, this is when the ayat of Allah makes sense. إِنَّمَا يَخْشَ اللَّهَ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ الْعُلَمَاءُ Why is that? Why is ulama and khashiyah together? It should be al-ibad. You know? Al-mukhlisin. Somebody who, people who cry all night. No, the ulama have khashiyah. Why? The more you learn, the more you grow intellectually, and actually your emotions start maturing. You know, your spiritual growth and your intellectual growth are inseparable from each other. There's no tafawut between them. There's no gap between them. And so, uh, I, I disagree with a lot of the mufassirun respectfully in the interpretation of the next ayah, the next two ayat, because, um, and we're, we're close to the end of this, this section, inshallah. Really amazing stuff I gotta show you by the end though. Um, they, Allah says, وَأَسِرُّ قَوْلَكُمْ أَوِجْهَرُ بِهِ Keep what you say secret or make it public. Keep what you say secret or make it public. Make it known. Expose it even. Innahu alimun sudur. He certainly is fully, fully knowledgeable, fully aware of the nature of what lies in the chest. Bidatis sudur, the nature of the chest, the kinds of people. Now in this, 
Allah says, whether you make something public or not, He knows what's going on where? Inside your chest. So some of us here say, Al-Kalam ya'ud ila nasi jami'an Al-Mu'min minhum wal-Kafir. This speech refers back to, the because the disbelievers we started with, and then the believers, and now this is kind of concluding, it's everybody. Altogether, whether you hide what you say or, or, or expose what you say, it doesn't matter, Allah knows what's in your hearts. Okay? I actually personally incline more towards the idea here, that Allah Azza wa is giving this as a consolation to the believers in secret. The previous ayah was, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَخْشُونَ رَبَّهُمْ بِالْغَيْبِ They secretly worship Allah, where they can't be seen, they also have hope of forgiveness, and don't worry, even if you haven't been able to say it out in public, and you've kept it a secret, it's okay, He knows what's in your hearts. So it's a consolation to the believer, that their, their faith is valuable, even if it's kept a secret. Okay? And of course it has general value, but in that particular context, I'd say the first thought process should go towards what's most proximate, in the closest proximity, Allah Ta'ala A'lam. So it's a continuation of the idea of Al-Ghayb. And then the next ayah also kind of ties everything together. Does he not know who he created? You think he just knows you from the outside, not the inside? Allah Azza wa Jal is the one with full view and to him, what you have on the outside and what you have on the inside, you know, you don't have to show everybody what you have on the inside, because everybody can see you only from the from from an external view. But Allah has the full view, and He is al latif He is the subtle. And this word also gives kind of gives it away that Allah is not talking to everybody, because He's pretty harsh with the kufar in this passage. And latif is not used for people you're being nice to. You're not be, you're, you're, unless you're being nice to someone. Lutf is actually has, has rifq in it, has lean in it, has mahabba in it, has softness, courtesy, care. These are part of the meanings of lutf. Okay? And, and subtlety, of course. So, Allah ya'lamu man khalaqa has been interpreted two ways. There's the dominant, uh, more common interpretation, and the other one, I'll, I'll share both of them with you. Allah ya'lamu man khalaqa can be translated. Uh, doesn't the one who created know? Doesn't the one or someone who created, wouldn't he know? Meaning, doesn't Allah know himself? He's the doer. Or the man khalaqa is a maf'ul, meaning doesn't he know who he created? So it's either, doesn't Allah know? Or doesn't Allah know who he created? Okay, so doesn't he know who he, and, and it seems the latter is more common in the Qur'an. Right? Doesn't he know who he created? So, Allah يَعْلَمُ مَنْ خَلَقَ وَهُوَ اللَّطِيفُ الْخَبِيرُ Like, so what if people don't know? It's like Allah saying, so what if people don't know? I know. I, that should be enough for you. And so, Al-Latif, Al-Alimu Khabaya Al-Umur. Al-Latif, one of the meanings is, the one who knows the most secret issues. وَالْمُدَبِّرُ لَهَا بِرِفْقٍ وَحِكْمًا The one who plans all of them out with a lot of care and delicacy. And a lot of wisdom. Al-Khabir Al-Alim الَّذِي لَا تَعْزُبُ عَنْهُ الْحَوَادِثِ الْخَفِيَّةِ الَّتِي مِنْ شَأْنِهَا أَنْ يُخْبِرَ النَّاسِ بَعْضُهُمْ أَوْ بَعْضَهُمْ بَعْضًا بِحُدُوثِهَا فَلِذَلِكَ اشْتُقَّ هَذَا الْوَصْفِ مِنْ مَادَّةِ الْخَبَرِ Khabir means what you tell people is a khabar. If somebody gets to find out something happened, that's a khabar. Khabir is someone who knows everything that was exchanged between everyone and every event that occurred. He has the full news as it was transmitted by everyone and as he is himself direct witness. This is Al-Khabir. So they're highlighting two different things. One is highlighting that Allah will plan things out in a very subtle, delicate way. And He will plan that out based on the idea that He has all the information necessary. He understands the reality fully. 
Look, think about planning. We plan based on assessment, right? In organizational planning, life planning, planning for our children. We look at, okay, what's the situation? What are the things we have to consider? We have to look at factors A, B, C, D. Now let's come up with a plan, right? And the more carefully you look at the situation, the more refined your plan is going to be, right? At-tadbiru nisful ma'isha. Right? So you have to, you have to really plan things out, then you have to really assess the reality before you make a plan. And perhaps, you know, uh, like really understanding the scenario might take a long time. It might even feel like you're not doing anything because you're trying to understand the reality before you make a plan. Right? Because sometimes you just want to make a plan and go with it. And then you make a plan, you go with it, and you realize there were some things you didn't consider. And it starts falling apart in your face. The idea of Allah being a latif is that He's extremely subtle. And He's taking the smallest, minutest details into consideration. And His plan is there to ward any kind of harm. When He's latif, He's gonna ward any kind of harm from your path. In the context of the ayat, somebody's hiding faith inside, and Allah has not just, not only is He subtly aware of what they have deep inside of themselves, He has a plan for them. And he knows why and why they, why they didn't share their faith. He has the full khabar. He knows the full context of why they, they wouldn't share something, you know? So this is the idea of al-khabir. By the way, khabir also come, from it you get the word khibra, which is experience in the Arabic language. So experiential knowledge is different from theoretical knowledge. Right? Somebody knows engineering and somebody is done engineering. They're two different people. You know? Allah, when he says, you know, the, the, the name alim actually highlights knowledge itself. The word khabir highlights knowledge that is actually experiential. That's direct engagement, hands-on. You know, that's, that's from, that comes from khabir. So Allah is not at a distance getting the news. You know, and that's it. He's actually al-khabir. He's very intimately aware and has, has experience with what you're experiencing. Subhanallah. إِنَّمَا يَسْتَحِقُّ إِسْمُ اللَّطِيفِ مَنْ يَعْلَمُ دَقَائِقَ الْمَصَالِحِ وَغَوَامِضِهَا وَمَا دَقَّ مِنْهَا وَمَا لَطَفْ فَهُوَ عَلَى سَبِيلِ الرِّفْقِ دُونَ الْعُنُفِ فَإِذَا اجْتَمَعَ الرِّفْقُ فِي الْفِعِلِ وَالْلُطْفِ فِي الْإِدْرَاكِ تَمَّ مَعْنَ اللُّطْفِ You don't say the word latif except someone who understands the most delicate of the details of something. And who understands to handle things with a lot of softness because you're dealing with someone fragile and you want to deal with them very, very carefully as to not break them. And so Allah Azza wa Jal in His plan sometimes doesn't let someone become Muslim publicly because that might break them. And they might not, they might not remain Muslim. So He lets them be in their place and He'll let them come and, you know, create a situation for them later on. You know, subhanAllah. This is Allah يَعْلَمُ مَنْ خَلَقُ وَهُوَ اللَّطِيفُ الْخَبِيرُ Now these three ayat, in my personal opinion, you don't have to accept my opinion, because that's all it is, is an opinion. These three ayat, from those who fear their master in the unseen, or in secret, they fear their master, they have forgiveness and a great compensation, make your word open, or you know, make it secret or open, he knows what's going on in the chest, and doesn't he know who he created, he's incredibly subtle and caring, and has full news. All three are actually a reference to the believer. This is the contrast with the, the passage on the disbeliever. So notice another contrast. The disbeliever, the conversation was about what's going to happen in the afterlife. For the believer, the dominant conversation is what's going to happen where? Right now. I mean, he was told he has forgiveness, but then the focus was on what? What's going to go on with him here? And that is again an A to D comparison. Isn't it? 
So it's as though Allah is saying, Allah will take care of the believer in this world and in the next, and the disbeliever shall pay in this world and in the next. Right? So that, that comparison is alluded to in this way, subhanAllah. By the way, Allah's names have lots of lessons in them for us. The, the word Latif occurs in the Qur'an seven times, five times associated with Khabir. And it teaches us a very powerful lesson on the, on the side. It's not part of the surah, but just on the side, something we should note. Uh, and that is that we should not be, we should deal with things in a delicate way because that's a sunnah of Allah. And we shouldn't deal with things, we won't know how to deal with things delicately unless we have exhaustive information. Sometimes we say things to people and they're not very delicate. And we don't understand the background. And we say things that can be very hurtful even though that's not our intent. We lack lutf because we lacked khabar. Okay? So when you have more, when you know more about a situation, you're able to deal with it in a more sensitive way. And until you have that information, you should just step back. I don't know. I don't know. So that this, these, these two names are very powerful in that they teach us the sunnah of Allah. Uh, Latif al Khabir. This is the last ayah of this passage. He is the one who made the earth for you or furnished or provided the earth for you as dhalul. Dhalul means as-sahla, al-mudhallala, al-musakhara. Lima yuradu minha min mashi alayha. He made the earth humbled for you, subdued for you. He beat the earth down for you. As if to say perhaps the planet was once a, t- a place of massive earthquakes and erupting volcanoes and this earth wouldn't sit still like a wild animal and Allah beat that wild animal like a, like, like a wild horse and you tame it. Allah is describing that He made the earth into something humbled. Because it wasn't always this chill. It was a pretty violent earth. It was a pretty, you could not have survived on that earth the way it was. And sometimes it has emotional outbursts, the earth. And what happens to people? You know? And then finally Allah will say, I'll let you go back to what you were. You know, the earth will let, إِذَا زُلْزِلَتِ الْأَرْضُ لَمْ يَقُلْ إِذَا زُلْزِلَتِ الْأَرْضُ زِلْزَالًا زِلْزَالَهَا لِأَنَّهُ هُوَ الْأَصْلُ he says, I will make, let the earth shake the way it was always meant to shake. It's shaking. It's actually, its original state is violent and turbulent. He is the one who calmed it down for you. He is the one who humbled it for you. And by the way, we are made of the earth. And yet, we're not humble. So if you are a patch of dirt that doesn't want to be humble, you want me to let the earth act up like you do? It's actually a correlation that's just been made. You were made, you were created. Doesn't he know who he created? By the way, created you from the earth and made the earth humble. So why aren't you? And he did that for, and lakum now has a duality in meaning. He made the earth humble for your benefit. And he, he made the earth humble to remind you that you should be humble. Don't act up. You want to get up? You want to get up with me? You want to act up? I can make the earth act up. You know, put you in your place a little bit. Subhanallah. هو الذي جعل لكم الأرض ذلولا. الذلول فعول بمعنى المفعول وهو مبالغة في الذل. It's actually extremely humbled. Like the earth hasn't just been مذلول. مذلول would have been it's been humbled, it's been subdued, it's been calmed down. It's been and by the way, it's been humiliated because it's trampled on. That's that's why it comes from ذلة. It's trampled on. You know, ذلة على المؤمنين. Trampled on. It step, it lets you humiliate it. 
That's what it lets you do. It has no... Before Allah, when Allah humbles something, then it has no... You could walk all over it. Where's your humility? You know? But Allah says, it was made extremely humble, which means it must have been extremely violent. Like if He just made it regular humble, it wouldn't have been humble enough. So He really calmed this earth down. SubhanAllah. Famshu, then go ahead and walk. Because you know when there's an earthquake, you can't what? You can't walk. You'll see people drunk. People are going to be, they'll lose their mind. You know, an earthquake can make someone lose their mind. They will think judgment has begun. begun. Their whole life will flash before their eyes. They, will, they could be thinking about their taxes, or their children, or the college, or the semester, or when the earthquake begins, whether it's 30 seconds, or 2 minutes, or whatever. For those few minutes, you have no mind left. Nothing is on your mind. You're not thinking about nothing. You're not thinking about lunch. You're not the sandwich that's in your hand. Let me just... Nope. Nope. It's gone. You are mindless. You know? Subhanallah. Go ahead and walk. But he says, فِي مَنَاكِبِهَا أَيْ أَطْرَافِهَا فِجَاجِهَا نَوَاحِيهَا Go into all of its different corners. Actually, the word nakaba in Arabic means adala wa taba'ada To go off-road. And to go far away. Allah says, I made the earth humble for you. Go explore the planet. Go. Go wherever you want on the earth. Go take a, take a turn. Adal means you, you divert. Go divert. Go, go see new things. This is Allah explore, encouraging the believer to go appreciate how humble the earth has been made by traveling and experiencing the earth. And as you travel and see how different parts of the earth has been humbled, you know, notice he says, فَمْشُوا فِي مَنَاكِبِهَا بَدَلًا مِنْ عَلَى فَمْشُوا عَلَى مَنَاكِبِهَا الْمَشِيُوا عَلَى الْأَرْضِ لَا فِي الْأَرْضِ You walk on the earth in Arabic. You don't walk in the earth. We don't say walk in the land, but it's literally in Arabic, on the land. The word fee actually suggests أَنْ يُنَفِّذَ الْإِنسَانِ فِي أَعْمَاقِ هَذِهِ الْمَنَاكِبِ so the people can go deep into these corners and, and dig into the earth and find its resources and find places that have never been found before and explore and explore and explore. Allah says, don't just look at the earth at its surface, there's more going on. There's more. And this is by the way, going back to the idea of Allah being mutabarik. There's more to the earth than you'd expect. It'll give you more, and it'll give you more, and it'll give you more. You know? So go and, go and explore it. But before I go on, I should tell you a literary, just, I don't know what else to call it. It's, a, it's just a gem of, of Allah's speech in the Qur'an. So Allah talks about walking a lot. And He talks about strolling, walking, rushing, running, racing, running for your life, desperately just moving as fast as you can for survival. And all of these, if you notice the words I just used in English, are varying degrees of intensity. A stroll is casual. A walk is perhaps more purposeful. Rushing suggests that you have a sense of urgency. But, you know, uh, uh, or like lightly running. Lightly running is some sense of urgency. Rushing or racing is more intense than that. And then running for your life is like, you've never run like that before. But notice how it's used. Siru fil ard. Casually stroll in the land. Be relaxed on the, on the earth. Take, this is actually just to, just to take, take it all in. Right? Take it all in. فَمْشُوا فِي مَنَاكِبِهَا here وَكُلُوا مِنْ رِزْقِهِ For the pursuit of risk, which is more... What is risk by the way? Sustenance. So, 
go into its depths of the depths of the earth and eat from its provision eat from what it provides you in other words now you're going to go for purpose of what work explore a business opportunity explore work opportunity go into different places and find what kind of risk you can find literally what kind of fruits you can eat and what kind of produce you can eat but also what kind of job you can get that's mashi Jum'ah time comes, he says, فَسَعَوْا إِلَىٰ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ When it comes to remembering Allah, you shouldn't just walk. And don't just stroll. Rush. Rush a little bit. Make, make some effort. Run. Sa'a actually means to rush into something. And to make effort to get somewhere. From sa'i. وَسَعَى لَهَا سَعِيَهَا Quran says. So it's a little more intense. Then he says, سَارِعُوا إِلَىٰ مَغْفِرَةٍ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ Rush as much as you can, rush against each other to get forgiveness. And then he goes even further sometimes and intensifies it and says, سَابِقُوا إِلَىٰ مَغْفِرَةٍ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ Beat each other to the finish line to get forgiveness from your master. So we started with strolling and now, and the goal for strolling was just to enjoy the earth. The risk was walk. Jumu'ah, which is good for your deen and good for your dunya. What does he say? Rush. Then race. Race for what? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. There's one left. Run for your life. فَفِرُّوا إِلَى Allah. Run desperately like nobody's business to Allah. <laughs> SubhanAllah. Like the varying degrees of intensity are determined by what is your goal. If your goal is casual, the stroll is casual. When you have the ultimate goal, you run like nobody's business. And everything in between. Subhanallah. Anyway, وَكُلُوا مِنْ رِزْقِهِ And eat from its provision. This is actually, uh, uh, interestingly, وَفِي الْآيَةِ إِمَاءٌ إِلَى نُدْبِ التِّجَارَةِ نُدْبِ التِّجَارَةِ وَالتَّكَسُّبْ بِجَمِيعِ ضُرُوبِهِ In the ayah bin Ashur says, is an indication that we should actually be pursuing all kinds of rizq out of this earth. We should be looking for provision out of this earth, digging into it for its resources. Allah is encouraging the human being to go out there. By the way, this is in Makkah, the ayahs revealed. And there's not much rizq on the earth in Makkah. So it's almost as though the ummah is it's foreshadowing for the ummah that one day they're going to be on all corners of the earth and they should be exploring, you know. And they should just go around and see the, the, the humility. And by the way, wherever they go, they're going to be humble. Because the earth will always remind them of their humility. And what makes you humble? More humble than being provided for. Kulumir You know? The other thing that I really like about this ayah is Allah subdued what we could never have subdued. No matter what technology we have, what money we have, we can't stop an earthquake. Right? And had it not been... And, and no matter what we do, we cannot produce rain. We can't produce life on this earth. Allah gave that life. So our rizq, our provision, our sustenance on this earth, and the stability that we enjoy on this earth, is entirely done by Allah. And the conclusion of it is, Go into its different crevices, corners, go all over this earth, and eat from its provision. The hard part has already been done by Allah. The really hard part was calming this earth down, and providing all kinds of rizq, on this earth. That's, and by the way, it's his risk. Mirriskihi. Meaning, risk that he wanted to dedicate to you. Like he attributed it to himself. Every time you eat a, an apple, you say, this is rizqullah. 
This is something he dedicated for me. Like it's attributed directly to Allah. It's awesome. And you know from a, from a Balagha point of view, بِرِزْقِمْ مِنْهُ As opposed to بِرِزْقِهِ بِرِزْقِمْ مِنْهُ Provision that comes from him. As opposed to رِزْقِهِ His provision. Now his provision and provision that comes from him are roughly the same, but grammatically one's an idafa, and an idafa is it's inseparable. So your rizq should be inseparable from your remembrance of Allah. Like رِزْقِهِ And وَإِلَيْهِ nushur. You know? So what I was gonna say is the hard part's already done by Allah. And He's already taken the job of risk for Himself. It's not risky, it's risky He. So what are you so worried about? It'll come. Just be humble and it'll come. He'll furnish. Look, He, he, he made the earth sprout after it became humble. So how much can you blossom after you become humble? You know? So now beyond that, he says, وَإِلَيْهِنْ نُشُورَ And what an incredible conclusion to this passage. وَإِلَيْهِنْ نُشُورَ It's commonly translated to him as the return. The problem is, it's not رُجُورَ And it's not auda, And it's not الْبَعْث There's lots of words in the Arabic language for return. نَشَرْ happens to not be one of them. نُشُورَ is not one of them. But for convenience, we say, ah, قَدْ يَعْنِي It probably means going back to him. If he meant to say go back to him, he would have said go back to him. He's pretty good at speaking. He can speak for himself. We don't have to give him synonyms for what he means. Oh, he said this, but what he means is that. Uh, no, he, he knows what he means. This is Allah al Bayan. La al okay? Subhanallah. This is what we mean by Kalimatullah hi al ulya. The word of Allah reigns supreme. We shouldn't impose meanings on it. It imposes meanings on us. You know? It's, it, the, the mentality has to be fixed about our attitude towards the Qur'an. When you, when you start interpreting the Qur'an for the purpose of convenience, well, he said this elsewhere, so probably we'll just bunch it all. If he wanted to bunch it all, he could have much better than you and me. He's perfectly capable of that. So let's dig into this word a little bit. Dalun ala fathi the word the root letters noon shin and ra dalun ala fathi shayin watashabihi when something is opened up and when something is spread out when something you know branches out nashar nashar tul kitab khilafat awaitu when you when you roll up when you roll up the scroll of a book that's actually called nashar and tawi is actually to open it up to unroll to unfold. نَشَرَتِ الْأَرْضُ أَصَابَهَا الرَّبِيعُ Now the second meaning, the earth experiences nushur when it springs, when it blossoms. When it blo- It's actually got a positive meaning. Nushur has a positive, as opposed to, you know, jama' إِلَيْهِ الْجَمْعَ إِلَيْهِ hashar. Nushur is actually spreading out and blossoming. Now keep these two meaning, meanings in mind. By the way, the, an Arabic figure of speech, speech قَدْ ضَمَّ نَشَرَهُ A person who's taking care of all of his business, Everything that's spread out about him, he's put it all together. He's got all the moving parts working working together. He's put them all together. The expression for uh, for, for that is قَضَمَّ نَشْرَهُ يُقَالُ لِمَنْ جَمَعَ أَمْرَهُ النَّشْرُ الرِّيحُ النَّشْرُ الرِّيحُ الطَّيِّبَةُ A wind that spreads is actually الرِّيحُ الطَّيِّبَةُ is one of the one of the words for النَّشْرُ. And by the way, نَشْرُ also comes in the meaning of الحياة life. So إِلَهِ نُشُورُ to him is the second life also. 
But now, let's combine these meanings and figure out what's being said here. One, to open things up and to spread them out. Two, for them to blossom. For things to blossom. Right? Arabiya. Is this passage, I was suggesting humbly, Allah knows best. These ayat, are they talking to the all humanity or the believer? The believer. Go out, spread out in the land, get your rizq. And by the way, all of your spreading out will return back to him anyway. No matter how far you spread, you're gonna come back to him anyway. And no matter how much you blossom, the ultimate blossoming in life is gonna be when you come back to him. And ilayhi nushur also suggests all the spreading out that you do and all the blossoming that you do, the credit will keep going back to him. Yani ilayhi yunsabun nushur. All of it will be attributed back to him. He'll get the credit every time. It's a beautiful statement. It's not just about resurrection. Resurrection is one of the most obvious meanings here. But beyond that, Allah Azza wa Jalla is saying, you're gonna come back to me and it's gonna be much better. This is, these are just seeds, they'll blossom in akhirah. They'll blossom in akhirah. What a passage. Now this was a long passage. I wanna leave you with what I find the most epic part of this passage. How it's organized. Oof. So cool. Listen carefully, okay? Freshen your minds, listen carefully. I need you to keep up with this. First ayah. وَلَقَدْ زَيَّنَّ السَّمَاءَ الدُّنْيَا بِمَصَابِيحِ وَجَعَلْنَاهَا رُجُومًا لِلشَّيَاطِينَ Okay, we opened up this, we beautified the what? Beautified the sky. We beautified the sky. Last ayah of this passage. هُوَ الَّذِي جَعَلَ لَكُمُ الْأَرْضَ ذَلُولًا The earth. The sky has been beautified, the earth has been humbled. Right? You understand that there's an open and close between the skies and the earth? I told you this entire surah will be a play between sky and earth, sky and earth, sky and earth. Okay, check it out. The sky is much bigger than the earth, yes? And by the way, I told you also there's an interplay between style and substance. The sky was described with style, zayyanna. The earth with substance, famshufi manaki biha wa its sustenance. Now the other, the next part of it. The sky is way bigger than the earth. Who tries to roam around in the sky freely? Shayateen. Are they allowed to roam around freely or do they have restricted movement? Despite the sky being massive, جَعَلْنَاهَا رُجُومًا لِلشَّيَاطِينَ They can't just go wherever they want. Their restriction, their movement is restricted. On the contrast, you believer are on the earth and it's been humbled for you. Do you have restricted movement? Quite the contrary. فَمْشُوفِي مَنَاكِبِي هَا وَكُلُوا مِنْ رِزْقِي they do that? And then, okay, okay. The rizq of this world. Give me some examples. Fruits, water, drinks, milk, honey. Are these things a preview for what is to come in where? Keep that thought in your mind. These things are a preview of what is to come in Jannah. Okay. Let's go back up to the sky. First ayah. The sky has been made rujuma lishayateen. Things that are cast like stones cast at devils. They are made of fire. Those stones that are cast at them are made of fire. When someone's being hit with fire, what is that a preview of? So that ayah says that they are getting a preview of Jahannam and they're going to end up there anyway. So the preview followed by the full scale. And by the way, the skies will give you a preview of hell and the disbelievers will end up there also. Which is why the next passage is hellfire. So the skies 
Some part of it serves as a preview of hellfire, described, followed by an elaborate description of hellfire. On the flip side of it is the believer. Who is going to get what from Allah? Ajrun kabir, Jannah. Lahu maghfiratun wa ajrun kabir. But if you want a preview of Jannah, where is the preview of Jannah? فَمْشُوفِ مَنَاكِ بِهَا وَكُلُوا مِنْ رِزْقِهِ And the full blossoming will happen back with him. وَإِلَيْهِمْ نُشُورِ So the beginning and end of this passage is the skies and the earth, both serving as a preview. The sky serving in this passage as a preview of hell, and the earth serving as a preview of heaven. And the preview of the sky followed immediately by what it previews, hellfire. And the preview of the earth, Jannah, preceded right immediately before it, the description of Jannah, subhanAllah. And that's how this passage just forms this perfect symmetry. It's perfect, perfect symmetry, subhanAllah. So with that, inshallah ta'ala, I'll give you your next break. Barakallahu li wa lakum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. <laughs>